Hi guys, welcome back to the Philosophy of Strength podcast. I believe this is episode 9 now, and this podcast is going to be all about why I deleted uh, social media, specifically my Instagram. Um, It's a question quite a few people ask me. I've been using Instagram for a while, I don't have a massive... um, audience on there by any means but uh, there were some people who were uh, curious as to why I went offline for about two and a half months. Um, So today I'm just going to be discussing that and delving into my thoughts on social media. It's not going to be an episode about training obviously but I do believe that it's going to relate to cultivating a strong mind which obviously relates to building a strong body. So I just want to preface everything that I'm going to go through in this episode by saying that I'm by no means trying to convince you that you need to delete your social media or delete any particular social media app. I'm simply going to be giving my personal experience with it. Um, And if that helps you, great. Maybe you decide that you want to moderate your use or maybe um, you're someone who this won't apply to so much. I think about social media um, in the same way that I would think about other things that people can binge on, whether that's food or alcohol or drugs. Anything can be good in moderation um, and there's positives to anything. But there are some people who have personality traits or certain types of personalities where maybe it is best for them to moderate or completely leave out um, certain things from their life altogether. So first I just want to give you guys an idea of how I got started with using social media um, and then discuss where I got how I got to that point where I decided that I wanted to delete it for a while. Um, And then at the end of this, I'll give some takeaways, things that I learned, and go through some things that you might want to consider as well. So um, for me, I'm 26 now, so I can actually remember what it was like to live in the pre-social media world. Um, There was always the internet and computers when I was growing up. I was born in the mid-90s, but social media uh, didn't exist until I was about... 11 or 12 I think or whenever Bebo and MySpace and sites like that started coming to fruition um I can remember hearing about Bebo when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old and that was really the first social media that I was exposed to I didn't know what it was or what the point of it was um the only time that I had used the internet up until that point was for playing video games on us, like, um, oh, there was loads of cool different games you could play on um, different websites, and actually that was before YouTube was a thing, so if you wanted to um, look up a video, you had to go specifically to the person who made its website, which is something that really isn't a thing anymore, um, but getting slightly off track there, so Bebo was becoming a thing. I started using that mostly because of peer pressure, really. My friends told me that I should use it, and I went on there, and it was cool. You could 
um, put a video on your profile. You could put a profile picture there. It was stuff that I had never really seen or done before. Um, and then I think Bebo went under at some point, but regardless of what happened, people stopped using it. People use stuff like MySpace. I never got into that. Um, and then when I was a teenager, around the time that I was maybe 15 or 16, uh, Facebook started becoming popular. And Facebook was cool because it was a way to, first of all, you could message your friends. You didn't have to use text messages, which meant buying credit for your phone. You could message people for free on the Facebook Messenger, um, which is now an app. Um, it was cool that you could send videos to people, put videos up on your profile, put photos up of things you'd done. And it was cool just to be able to organize events and meetups with your friends. Um, so Facebook in the beginning was a really cool thing um, that I enjoyed a lot and I had a pretty healthy relationship. I by no means uh, would spend a whole day sitting around looking on Facebook. Um, I just use it for the positive aspects. Um, and that was really the extent of my social media use until around 2014, 2015, I started hearing about the Instagram thing um again kind of just through peer pressure people saying oh you should make a profile get on there like there's all this cool stuff um that was how i ended up getting onto it as far as i was concerned um instagram was a photography application and it was photographers who were using us to share their art with each other or share photos and use the different filters you could you could use on the app uh, since then, I've heard that actually Instagram started as uh, part of skating um, culture and community. I don't know if that's true, but it's funny how it started off potentially as a, a thing for skateboarders to share photos with each other. And now it's grown into this just behemoth of uh, uh, business and popular culture. But anyway... I uh, think I started using Instagram in 2015 and didn't really use it that much for the first year, but I'd always been someone who took videos of my training because when I left school, I didn't have a coach or at least not for an extended period of time. So I would always record myself doing my lifts so that I could check my technique to see um, if it was any good and like compare it to videos of really good lifters on the internet. So I started using Instagram as a training log of sorts where I would take videos of my sessions. I would note down the, the weights, the sets, the reps, etc., And I could refer back to that then. And I thought it was cool to maybe look back at like old PRs and compare that to where I would be then in a year or two down the line. And that was really all that I was using Instagram for um, was like a training log. And then when I started coming to the end of my um, education, I decided I was going to go into personal training and strength coaching as a career. And I realized that Instagram actually could be a good way of finding business. So that was really for me when my relationship with Instagram changed. Um because now I was looking at it as a part of my job. So I felt that I needed to be going on there every day 
to post stuff up, information that people could use, um, put things on my story of me training clients and stuff like that, which is all good stuff. Um, I mean, as I'm going to be discussing this throughout the course of this podcast, I need to stress that I'm not saying that social media is evil or that any technology is bad. There's always going to be positives and negatives but you need to really clearly understand what those are and figure out how you can integrate it into your life in a positive way. So the problem wasn't that I was using Instagram for business. The problem was that my um, screen time was going up so much. And the way that Instagram is built now, I think that the algorithm has actually changed. Um, and I think the algorithm on, on Facebook has changed over time as well to become far more intelligent at understanding how to keep you glued to the screen. Because you need to understand that these apps and the the companies um, that own them make money by keeping your eyes glued to the screen. Because an application like Instagram is completely free. You're not paying them to use the app. The way they make money is by other companies paying Instagram to allow them to put sponsored ads up on your newsfeed. So sandwiched somewhere in between the cute little dog meme and the picture of the Fitzbo girl in her bikini is an ad for something. And if you haven't properly understood how to manage your privacy settings, and also before all the data protection laws came in, um, this stuff could be hyper-targeted to your interests because Instagram has access to all of the things that you like from your search history, the kind of posts that you like. Um, to be honest, they could even be accessing your microphone and we wouldn't really know, but that's for a, a different podcast. But um, essentially this algorithm is built to keep you looking at the screen because that's how Instagram makes money because it can show those sponsors or the advertisers that, hey, look at all these people that looked at your ad. So this is a justification for why you should keep paying us money to run the ads on Instagram. Um, so I made the big mistake of following loads of pages, which I did because I enjoyed the content that was on there. But the problem was that my newsfeed was just consistently flooded with new content all the time. And it's all interesting and good content. So of course, your natural inclination is going to be to just look at the video. But the problem is, that there's always a new video. And I personally believe that what happens with social media, especially an app like Instagram, I heard a really good um, analogy about this recently um, from a podcast that I was listening to. Um, and the guy who was talking was talking about the way our bodies adapt um, based on the stimulus to be given. And this happens in training, but um, it happens in other ways as well. So if you take someone who's a, a drug addict, let's say it's someone who uses a drug like cocaine a lot, um, that's going to stimulate, and I, I could be getting the, the finer details of this wrong, so excuse me if I do, but the, the basic idea holds true. You know, if you're taking something like cocaine a lot, it's... Um, flooding your brain with dopamine and your brain essentially says okay well we've got loads of this dopamine so let's downregulate the amount that we're we're uh, naturally producing in our brain 
And that's one of the ways that people become addicts to things because they lose the ability to create the good emotions themselves. So they have to rely on the drug. And that's how easy it is for someone to fall into something like drug addiction because you become reliant on it then. I don't have hard proof for this, but I do believe that the way something like Instagram works is that you have all the stimulation that you need and it's short snippets where you don't have to sit there and focus on a five or 10 minute long video like you might on something like YouTube. You can watch a funny little meme that's done in like 10 or 15 seconds, however long it takes for the guy to fall off the roof into the pool and you have a good chuckle. And don't get me wrong, those videos are great, but then you can move straight on to another one and another one. And you become reliant on this phone to give you your dopamine hits. And if I got the chemical wrong, um, I may well have, but you get the basic idea. I think that we start to become addicted to these things because they feed us good emotions and we don't have to create them ourselves um, by doing actual things in our lives. And... So this is going to feed into why I eventually decided that I was going to delete Instagram. Um, I felt that I was developing an unhealthy relationship with my phone and with that application. So um, I basically decided that, um, well, to kind of, kind of backtrack for a second, before I decided to delete Instagram, I was starting to have these feelings that uh, I'm not really happy with my relationship with uh, this technology. And I was kind of going back and forth in my head if I was going to delete it or not, because it is an important part of um, modern business. It's the way most businesses are advertising to people. And I was worried that if I deleted my page, um, I could potentially lose a lot of business. But the reality is that the kind of content that I put out isn't really well suited to something like Instagram because I'm putting out quite a nuanced message that isn't what you're going to see any really popular or mainstream gyms or personal trainers talking about. Um, I'm not talking about getting fit and toned. I'm not talking about six weeks to a six pack or loads of these quick fix changes that people want to hear. I'm talking about deeper things that require things like this podcast, long form um, media where you have to go into depth on things. And so it's a niche audience that I'm, um, that I'm speaking to. And I truthfully don't really get a lot of business off Instagram because that's just not what the, the app is set up to support. Um, if you wanted to get business off um, Instagram, you'd be putting up half naked pictures of yourself most of the time. And um, that's not bitterness on my end. I mean, that's just the way it is. And if you search any of the popular fitness, fitness hashtags, um, I mean, last I checked, if you just search the hashtag fitness or FitFam, and filter it by uh, the top posts, which is, I think, most viewed or most liked. It's literally um, softcore porn in most instances. It's, uh, it's really just people putting up 
half naked pictures of themselves um, with not very much information or educational content to offer. Um, again, I'm not bitter. That's just the way it is. Um, but that was what made me decide, okay, I don't think I'm going to lose out on that much business by deleting this app. Um, and the tipping point for me was um, last Christmas, I got given a book uh, as a present. And it was a book that I was actually really excited to read. I was interested in the uh, in the topic and the author. And I sat down and tried to read this book and I couldn't do it. I mean, I could if I really forced myself to, but the amount of mental effort that it was taking just to read a couple of paragraphs uh, was astounding. And I hadn't really been in the habit of reading books since I was in my mid-teens. Um, any reading that I'd done outside of that had been purely for education. And at this stage, I was, God, probably uh, at least four or five months removed from finishing my master's. So I hadn't had to do any proper reading uh, over that time. And I realized that all of this instant gratification, um, low attention span um, content that I'd been taking in through my phone on Instagram had just completely fried my attention span. And in the same way I was talking about the way that we adapt to our environment and the stimuli that's put in, in the same way that you have down regulations of certain chemicals in your brain when you become addicted to a drug. Um, I really think that my brain had adapted to not having to work very hard um, or put in much mental effort. Um, I have this electronic device in my hand that allows me to search for anything that I want. If I get bored, I can look at a funny video or I can look up something that I'm interested in and there's no effort on my part. And I don't have evidence to prove that that's true and that really does happen to our brains. But I know that I personally noticed a huge difference in my ability to focus in a task as simple as just sitting down and reading a book, which I was interested in reading, by the way. So this was the tipping point for me. Um, this is the kind of bottom of the barrel moment that you could have in any scenario where maybe it could be the person who is obese and uh, realizes they can't sit into a, a seat on a plane or the drug addict who um, spends their last bit of money and realizes that they're broke because they've spent it all on drugs. This is the moment where I realized this is crazy and this thing is not giving enough for what it's taken from me if I can't actually sit down and um, engage in a basic thing like just reading a book without feeling the need to pick up my phone and check notifications or, or look up something that's more interesting, more um, rewarding in the short term. Um, so yeah, that was the tipping point. I decided that's it. I'm going to delete my Instagram. I actually only wanted or only had initially planned to delete it for one month. But um, with what I'm about to talk about um, in terms of the benefits that I noticed, I actually decided to extend that out 
Um, and I was planning on keeping it deleted pretty much indefinitely, only for the fact that this COVID-19 um, scenario reared its head. So what happened when I deleted the app? Um, for the first couple of weeks, the, the most clear thing that I saw happen was that my screen time dropped drastically. And if you have an iPhone, I don't know what it's like on other phones, you can look at your screen time. And it's actually quite a cool feature that's built in where it will show you how your time is divided. So what apps you're spending the most time on. Um, and also just the total number of hours that you spend looking at the screen. I can't remember exactly how many hours that I was spending, but I think it was somewhere between, I think it was somewhere around four hours, um, maybe even five hours uh, in a given day uh, looking at the screen. And a tiny fraction of that was actually doing stuff that was productive. The rest was just getting sucked into distractions of rabbit holes, going down different videos and stuff like that. Or, you know, you might start a task and then you get a message from a friend who's who's sent you something to look at. And then you go into something else after that. And all of a sudden an hour is gone. This is how you can end up spending four hours looking at a screen. So after I deleted Instagram, after a couple weeks, uh, I think my screen time had at least halved so i think i was down to two hours in a day um i delete what i noticed happening then and this is going to relate to what i talk about towards the end of this podcast what i noticed though is that my brain was very cunning and just like um someone who's addicted to anything you take it away it's gonna try to find something else um and Despite the fact that Instagram was gone, all of a sudden I started using my Facebook app and I hadn't used the Facebook app, you know, regularly in years, basically started using the Facebook app. I deleted that and all of a sudden I started using the YouTube app, um, which I suppose is the lesser of two evils. I think it's better to be sitting down watching a 15 minute long video that requires for you to focus than to be watching, you know, 20 second long memes. And in the case of something like TikTok, I think it's down to like 10 or 15 seconds, which is even worse. Um, so the screen time went down and I noticed that I was far more interested in having regular conversations in day-to-day -day life with people because you're standing there, you're used to being able to pull out your phone whenever you get bored. And that wasn't an option for me anymore, you know, unless I wanted to start reorganizing my notes or my photos or something like that. Um, it just wasn't stimulating. So I had to stimulate myself by actually engaging in the world around me. So I found myself doing stuff that I would never do, like making small talk with people in say the, the queue of a coffee shop or just chatting with people in work or in other day-to-day -day life scenarios way more than I usually would. And that requires more mental effort, but it's far, far more rewarding um, than staring at your phone. Um, the other thing that I had been unsure about was how it was going to affect my business. 
but taking the phone away made me very cognizant of the the reality that the most important thing for any business depending on what it is is going to be its local area um being on instagram and other social media apps it can kind of give you this illusion that you're living in this global community which is kind of true to a certain extent but realistically for what I do, which is personal training, uh, some guy from China isn't going to get a plane over to do a personal training session with me. So it made me realize that the most important thing to be focusing on is the people within my area. And I started to talking to people a lot more and I actually generated a lot more business from just having conversations with people mentioning, Oh, Hey, I'm doing personal training. Do you know anybody who you think might be interested? Oh yeah, my friend is, is actually looking to get fifth. Oh cool, give me his number. Um, that's something that you can do that doesn't require posting uh, a video of you doing curls on social media. Um, and if anything, I actually found that that worked a lot better um, than just you know throwing stuff out into the void of social media where it all gets lost in the noise of the millions of other um, trainers who are trying to find business on there. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, which a lot of people worry about, is this FOMO thing, fear of missing out. A lot of people don't want to delete their social media because they think that they're going to be out of the loop with stuff. They're not going to get messages from their friends. They're not going to get invited to events and stuff like that. Again, this is just me speaking from my personal experience. But what I found was actually quite the opposite. Um all of my friends knew that my social media was gone. And so they realized that the only way to get in contact with me was to send me a text on uh, WhatsApp or I still had the Facebook Messenger app, not the Facebook app itself. Um, and, you know, they couldn't just send me a, a meme or something like that because I had no way of looking at it. So we had to have actual conversations. And uh, I met up with people a lot more because I didn't have that option of um, chatting with somebody on a, a message app. And this leads me to my next point, which is that I think these apps give us the illusion of connectivity. There is a certain amount of connectivity to a point. Absolutely, it's great. If you have a family member who's living in Australia, or any other region of the world where you can't see them face to face, but you can stay up to date with their photos and things that are going on in their life. But if you're living in a city like Dublin, most of the time you're not gonna be any more than maybe a 10 minute drive away, 10, 20 minute drive away from most of your friends. And yes, uh, so many of us can go months without seeing someone who's you know supposedly a really close friend of ours and i just think that that's crazy and uh i think that when you delete your social media that's really brought to the forefront of your mind you realize that you haven't talked to you know whoever it is um in a while and you wanted to see them so you meet up with them because you can't just send them a message um and i think a lot of us when we stop and think about it might have really good friends that we only see maybe five to 10 times a year. Um, and that's crazy. If someone is a good friend, 
you, you should be able to find time to meet up with them and, and spend time with them. And there's just no replacing that face-to-face interaction. Um, you can't get that in a, a message, a text. And I think there's a lot of people who feel quite lonely and they're confused about it. And I think the reason or a reason contributing to it is the fact that they're not actually having real human uh, face-to-face interactions with people. So those were the the positive things that I found from deleting it. Um, But what I want to discuss is what I realized when I deleted the app. And uh, what I realized was that when I was talking about how I, I moved on to Facebook after I deleted Instagram, and then I moved on to YouTube after I deleted Facebook, I realized that social media itself isn't the issue. Um, in the same way, and I know I keep on using drug act references and it's not as uh, anywhere near as severe an addiction as like being a heroin addict or something like that, but I think that it gets the point across reasonably well. Um, in the same way that oftentimes the root cause of somebody being a drug drug addict isn't the drug itself, it's, you know, maybe some trauma someone's experienced in their past or, you know, having grown up with like parents who suffered from the same thing. Um, social media isn't the root cause, in my opinion, for these issues that people are experiencing. Um, yes, it's it's what you're using and it's what's causing it, but it's not at the root of it. The root of it is actually, in my opinion, a, a discipline problem. Um, and I realized that because when I pulled one app away, I just moved on to the next one. And really all of that is just a distraction from doing stuff that you don't want to do because these apps give us the comfort of being able to just keep on spiking our dopamine with uh, things that are easy, you know, you just tap your fingers a few times and you're watching something that's mildly enjoyable, but it doesn't actually amount to you getting closer to a goal that you have in your life or having an experience with someone, you know, going on a drive or a walk out to a beach is a lot more effort than sitting down and looking at some travel videos on your phone actually getting there and having the experience of walking around with a friend or going swimming in the end when you're finished i guarantee you feel far more happy than when you finish uh, an hour-long binge on your phone and i think that what deleting these things taught me was that you know i could keep on deleting things all i want and keep on trying to micromanage different areas of my life and and you know you can get apps that uh, limit the amount of time that you can spend on on different apps but realistically what needed to happen was I needed to become better in control of my mind and that's discipline that's what discipline is um having a tight lead over your mind and being able to control it being able to do things when you don't want to do them um and so I realized that what I needed to do was 
just get better at moderating all of these things and being able to say no and turn it off when it's time to turn it off. Um, and so that would be my advice. If you feel like you can do that in most areas of your life, but you just can't seem to do it with Instagram, then yeah, maybe you should delete Instagram. Um, in the same way, somebody can be perfectly productive and, and high functioning and 99% of their life. But if they have one drink, they can't control it and they end up going on a, a drinking binge. And those people are alcoholics. And we don't have a name yet for people who are social media addicts, but I feel like we will in a few years time because I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg for what effect this sort of stuff has on people especially kids like I'm very very grateful that I was only exposed to social media when I was kind of coming towards the tail end of um, my childhood I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up with uh, immediate access to this um, I think it's going to ruin people's attention spans um, I think there'll be some people who'll be able to moderate it but I think there'll be some people who are unlucky and just like the people who are born with genes that make them a little bit more um, susceptible to being obese I think there's going to be some people who have a real issue with um, moderating that instant gratification that you're given with social media, the chase for likes and status. Um, so the last thing I'm going to leave you with is um, just what I feel can be done to uh, integrate this into your life in a, a positive way and in a way that is very authentic. So I actually lied when I said that I deleted Instagram. I didn't delete Instagram. I deactivated my main account, which was my business account. And what I did was I made a private account. So on this private account, I only follow 16 people. And I uh, have 16. So there's 16 people who follow me and I follow those 16 people back. And those 16 people are composed of close friends and family. That's it. Um, I don't care if it's someone who I like, but who I, if I don't see them often enough, or I don't feel like they're a close friend or someone I could depend on if, if something bad was to happen, they're not on there. Because for me, sharing personal things with a group of 700 people is it's a negative thing for me ment mental health wise i don't like you know like on insights if you're a business on instagram you can click into insights and you'll see if people share stuff um you can play with your mind sometimes if you put something up that's kind of personal and you see loads of people sharing it around it can make you think like are these people laughing at me behind my back uh, what do they think about me? And in normal day-to-day -day life, I'm not somebody who thinks like that. But for some reason with Instagram, it feels like you're you're casting out these pieces of your life into just a void that doesn't give you any feedback other than a few likes. And uh, you can end up 
chasing those likes as a as a form of feedback and you can end up chasing other people's opinion of you so the nice thing about this private instagram profile i have is that there's only 16 people which means the news feed is barren i could go three or four days without seeing anything new being posted which is great because there's no incentive for me to stay on there i go on i i post something that i feel like sharing with the people that i care about i look at their stuff and that's it and uh it's a lot more boring than what instagram used to be for me but it's also much closer to real life and um well actually i wouldn't say it's closer to real life i think it highlights the real limitations of technology and it doesn't trick me into thinking that uh you know this is the real world and that this is somewhere that i want to spend hours of my time on it's something that i use for a little bit of self-expression put some photos up make a few jokes on there um look at other people's stuff catch up with them and, and see how they're doing and that's it I think a lot of people would be much happier if they took that approach. The very last thing I'm going to leave you with, and I know this is a very long podcast compared to what I've put up before, but it's a topic that I feel quite strongly about. And if you've listened to this point, um, I sincerely appreciate it. And I hope that you share the podcast with someone you think would help. But this last thing that I'm going to discuss was a great analogy that I heard from a podcast that I listened to uh, maybe a year ago or so now. It's from the Leaf FTS Table Talk podcast, which is um, hosted by a very cool guy called Dave Tate. He's a great uh, positive figure in the strength and fitness industry. And um, a guy who used to be a very good powerlifter. He has this great podcast. And in one episode, he was talking with somebody about... I think he was talking about it's funny like how you get older and you just stop caring as much about what other people think of you but um what he said i thought related hugely to social media he was talking about you know how crazy it is how some people live their lives um to try and and please other people who really don't matter that much and he talked about it he put it all into perspective when he he talked about it at a funeral that he attended and it wasn't a funeral for someone who was very close to him i think that he was there for for somebody else and anyway he he was sitting there and he was looking up at the casket and he was thinking i realize you know up at the casket are the maybe five or six people who are really really hurting um, those are the people who are your immediate family or really close friends. And for those people, you know, that person in the casket being gone is something they're going to think about for every day for the rest of their life. They're going to be in a lot of pain for a long time and their life's never going to be the same. And one row back from that was the people who were there for those people. So that could be, you know, the the friends of the sister of the person who died or, um, you know, the people who were there to support those people who were, who were going through mourning. And then one row back from that, where Dave was sitting, 
was the people who were there for those people. So the people who were there for the people who were there for the people who were mourning. That's where he was sitting. And those are the people who aren't, there's not a, a tear in that row. Uh, they're checking their watches, wondering when it's going to be time to get the, the food and the afters. And uh, the point he made was you need to ask yourself who it is that you're living your life for. Are you living your life for those people that really matter, the people who are, are going to be there on the funeral, the people who, if for some reason you ended up homeless, you could show up at their doorstep and they'd give you a bed for the night? Are you living for those people or are you living for the people in the back row? And personally, I think a lot of people who get really pulled into this trap of social media unfortunately aren't even living for the people in the back row they're living for the opinions of people who wouldn't even show up to the funeral people who wouldn't bat an eyelid if you if you died tomorrow so just think about that i'll leave you with that throughout just over 40 minutes now in the podcast um have a think about when it's all said and done um how much of the social media stuff is really going to matter? How much are the likes or the followers, how much of a bearing is that going to have on what kind of life you led and how you're going to be remembered? Very little, in my opinion. Um, and if you can moderate it, then by all means, carry on. If you feel like this is something that's having a massive negative impact on your life, try a month without it and uh, see what the results are all right guys i appreciate that was a very long podcast um and if you made it all the way through well done um i wouldn't expect many people to find me talking for 40 minutes to be that interesting but let me know if you did and um let me know if there are any other topics that you want to see not very training related today but next time it will definitely be more related to strength training and fitness. All right. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next time.